0: The Washington Capitals are the
1: 2018 Stanley Cup champions! It's not a dream, it's not a desert barrage, it's Lord Stanley, and he is coming to Washington! Welcome back to Japers Rink Radio. I'm your host, Greg Young, and I'm happy to be joined uh, by a new guest to uh, Japers Rink Radio and a uh, new person on the uh, Washington Post Capitals beat uh, following the uh, legendary footsteps of Isabel Koshyutian. Uh Samantha Powell, how are you doing today?
0: I'm doing great. How about
1: you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. So to kind of give our uh, listeners slash readers, I guess it's just listeners because it's a podcast, <laughs> uh, I think you can kind of give like a little bit of an intro about yourself. Like where are you from? I know you went to Air- the, uh, you're a Sun Devil, if I'm not mistaken, of Arizona State. Uh, I know they have a pretty good journalism school over there. So uh, kind of talk about yourself a little bit, kind of what brought you to the Caps Beat.
0: Yeah, for sure. So I grew up in Seattle. I'm just like a suburb in Seattle. So I'm definitely like a West Coast girl. Um, and I did go to college at Arizona State. Spent four years down there in the beautiful sunshine, no rain. Um, so had a really good time there. I covered Pac-12 football and basketball for Arizona State for all four years doing that. And you know, for a lot of my journals in life, I've always yeah. covered football, basketball, um, kind of the traditional sports. And then I was an intern at the Washington Post in the summer of 2017, right after I graduated from ASU, and. Honestly, like, just fell in love with The Post. I moved to D.C. It was a really great experience for me. I got to cover a lot of different things. And then I actually left The Post after my internship and went to Dallas to um, cover high school football for the Dallas Morning News. So got a really big taste of like Texas football down there. Just a whole different culture. Oh, experience. so you're familiar
1: with major sports then, basically, is what I'm saying.
0: <laughs> you know, high school football in Texas is kind of the top of the top in Texas.
1: Yeah, um, I've heard.
0: So... I've heard. <laughs> it's, a, it's a little thing. Um, so yeah, no, like that was awesome. I think it just really showed me kind of a different world and how, you know, big readership can be down there. And then I was hired back by the post, uh, actually almost two years ago, uh, in December of 2017 to become a high school sports writer for the post. So I was doing that for the last two years and then, yep, here I am now in my first professional sports beat for the post. And that's kind of a little wrap up of myself.
1: <laughs> awesome. That's great. That's great. How are you, uh, how are you finding the cap beat so far?
0: I honestly really love it so far. I think it's good since I've been around the team, you know, for the last two years. I remember Isabel was actually the first one that reached out to me when I got the internship two years ago. And I remember one of the first things she was like Twitter DMing me and she was like, hey, my name's Isabel. I just want to introduce myself. Like, it's going to be so awesome for you to, you know, be an intern with us this summer. Um, I'm definitely going to have you out at Cap's Dev Camp. So, like, I hope you're ready. I think I said something to the effect of, yeah, I've like never seen hockey before. Like, I've never really like followed hockey (laughs) So this should be uh, interesting. She's like, no, 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 don't worry. She's like, it's going to be great. You're going to be great. Um, so that was like actually my first experience um, with hockey was dev camp two years ago. And ever since then, like, I don't know, I just really like the sport. The room is really great. The players were great to interact with. And ever since then, I was, you know, I kind of helped out with their Stanley Cup run. And then last year was as well backup and got to help out with the playoffs. So it's been kind of a journey up to this point. But so far, you know, officially by myself. Um, no training whales has been a really good experience.
1: There you go. That's exciting. That's exciting. I'm always kind of curious, um, and because I, I know Isabel's talked about this a little bit, kind of her experience in terms of catching up with hockey as a sport, because I know that it's kind of its own animal sometimes. So kind of what was your process about kind of catching up and uh, familiarizing yourself with some of kind of the nuances of the sport?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think... First off, it's just like a lot of reading. It's a lot of, you know, like catching up, reading a bunch of different articles, a bunch of different like books. I remember my dad when I officially like first got this job, it was really cute. I was in New York and visiting my sister and my parents came up and he goes, "Okay, I got you these two presents. And I was like, "Okay, what is it? And he goes, they're both hockey books. He's like, I figured like these would be the best things for you and you can like read them on the Amtrak or like on the planes when you're like going to all these different cities. So I think a lot of the things for me was just reading a bunch of articles, different books, just asking, honestly, a bunch of other writers. And what's really helped me the most is actually players and coaches. I think hockey players are, in my experience, one of the best athletes to deal with because if I don't know something, I I feel comfortable asking. You know, I can go to a lawyer's salary and be like, hey, I know you guys are doing a new system. Like, can you please explain to me, like, what your responsibility is in the neutral zone? And he will sit there and explain it to me. So it's like, I think they appreciate that I'm asking and I'm not, you know, making my way through it because I actually want to learn. And if I want to write, you know, authoritatively, I need to know what I'm talking about. So I think that really helped in the beginning of the season, just making sure I knew all the nuances of the game and, you know, I'm, I am still learning. And I think that's kind of like the fun part of this beat, right. Is I'm only on my first year. I can continue to learn. And then, you know, by year two, three, God, hoping maybe four, um, then, you know, I think people will start to see it more in my writing. But I think so far it has been good. And I've definitely seen that growth just in the last like couple of weeks or so.
1: That, 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 that's awesome. I know that um, as a consumer of beat writing, I know I always kind of appreciate it when people just acknowledge, and I think this is just true of writing in general, right? Like people acknowledging they don't know everything and like just sitting in time and learning something, you know, and really like just asking questions. I think it, it, it makes her a better product, I would say, wouldn't you?
0: Yeah, no, definitely. I think like if we're not asking questions, then like what are we doing? You yeah. know, um, so I feel like asking questions is the main focus. That, and I guess and for myself, like when I'm in the room or if I'm with coaches, or even it can just be like a casual conversation to the side with a player. Like I was talking to Leipzig the other day about like stick curves. I was just like, hey man, like how did you like pick out your stick? Kind of like a wand in Harry Potter. Yeah. Um, and it was just like a casual conversation. Like it wasn't, you know, I didn't have a recorder. Just I'm just curious. So I think that's like the biggest thing is, you know, just being curious about stuff and more questions are always going to pop up and it's just, how can I ask it and how can I really start to understand it more?
1: (laughs) Awesome. No, no, no. That's really cool. All right. Well, speaking of asking questions, I have a few for you, so that's okay. Um, Of course, of course. (laughs) um, You were at the uh, Sunday Night Flames game with the Nationals uh, with and without various pieces of clothing on. (laughs) Um, So I was kind of curious, like, what was that experience like? Like, I mean, what was, what was it like just even being in the arena?
0: Yeah it was kind of crazy I think honestly at least for me personally I was like okay the Nats are coming to the Caps game they already had the parade on Saturday I'm not sure how big this will be just in terms of you know that this wasn't the Nats first public appearance like it was the Caps when the Caps went to the Nats when they won the Stanley Cup like that was the first time anybody had seen the Caps really like out and about that was the whole fountains day but they did baseball before so I wasn't sure exactly how the Nationals would come out like I was like are they going to party? Are they going to be shotgunning beers? Are they going to be like actually doing it? And I think when they came out onto the ice and they took that big group photo, it was, I thought it was kind of cool seeing how many players came um, to kind of support and be there. And then when they were in the suites, like us in the press box could see them, which I think was both good and bad. Um, So you could see everything unfolding as the game was going on. And it was kind of like Raiden talked about it after the game, but the fans kind of had their attention divided between the Nats and the suite. I would imagine that makes (laughs) sense. Right, so it was, like, kind of weird, because I'm, like, watching the game, like, okay, Verona scores one, he's, like, kind of on fire. Then you look to your, you know, left in the Suites, and, like, their shirts are chugging a beer. Adam Eaton is doing the, like, oshi through the shirt chug. They're pouring beers down to the fans, like, autographing beer bottles, throwing them down. Wait, they were
1: pouring beers to the fans? Yes.
0: So they were pouring beers from the Suites, down into like people's hats it looked like at one point maybe their mouths i don't know if they were missing but like that was happening they were signing like empty like bud light cans and they were like tossing them down to fans it's like autographs basically
1: um that's incredible
0: yeah so that was insane and like there's probably beer everywhere now in those sections um (laughs) but (laughs) that was all happening as like barana now has like two goals And you're like, okay, you know, this is interesting. And then Verona gets a hat trick and it's kind of still like, wait, but the Nats are shirtless, but like Verona has a hat trick. And so I
1: feel like... So there's like actually a hockey game going on while you have these like road men like without shirts.
0: (laughs) Correct. And I feel like somebody said it on my Twitter. It was like, oh yeah, like there was a party and a hockey game broke out. Like that's kind of how it felt like. It was like everything else was happening and then, oh yeah, Verona has a hat trick. Yeah. Um... Which was definitely interesting, but I think it just made the night really fun. The atmosphere was great. I think the Caps players were definitely excited to have the Nats around. And I think, I don't know if everybody saw the Kuznetsov interview in um, intermission when he was just talking about basically how he thought the Nats looked sober. I think. <laughs> and then like you see them with their shirts off and like 10 minutes later I'm riding the Zamboni, like chugging beers. and so,
1: It's like challenge accepted, was, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, I think they kind of saw that and they're like, wait, 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 we can do this. Um, so I definitely just think it was a fun night. I don't know. Like what will happen after this, <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, no, it was definitely a fun night.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, we had a bit of a bit of a more mixed divide today with the White House, but you know, I mean, it's I'm I'm, I'm kind of curious. Like, I mean, you've I'm get, obviously read and heard about like the, what the Caps did after the Stanley Cup, and I think it's still been kind of a legend around here. You know, I mean, would you say like you know, having seen kind of the Nats a little closer, like, would would does that at all compare to what the Caps did in their run, or is it just? hockey players are going to hockey player to it's always going to be the caps (laughs) that are kind of the cream of the crop in terms of celebrating the spoils
0: yeah i mean i think it's kind of interesting i really don't know i was thinking about that last night as like who did it better you know like did the nats do it better did the caps do it better but i think the caps kind of set the bar you know if the caps didn't do what they did two years ago like would the nats be shotgunning beers or whatever chugging back beers at a caps game and, like, how would the Caps respond if they didn't win the Cup? You know, like, there wouldn't be that we are the champions sing-along moment. There wouldn't be Oshie chugging a beer through his shirt. I So, I don't know. Uh, yeah. I just feel like without the Caps doing what they did, maybe the Nats wouldn't have partied as hard. Maybe they would have. I don't know. Maybe they could have partied harder because there wasn't a benchmark. But just we'll never know. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, these <laughs> are the key
1: questions that you get as a beat writer, right? You know, oh, exactly. analyzing the, uh, the party <laughs> celebrations of the two teams, obviously.
0: Obviously, second by second, got to do some analysis there.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's way more important than like a course of your <laughs> shot attempts or anything like oh, that. Yeah. Oh, totally. Very, very important. <laughs> uh, so, okay. I have a I have a question and there's no self-interest at all involved in this question. I promise. But say that you're a theoretical caps fan that you know, maybe took a bit of a break because they were really excited because (laughs) this person was really excited about what the Nats were doing. And that kind of took top priority. Uh, I'm not, I'm not singling anyone, myself out, anyone, myself at all. Um, (laughs) what, what, what did you miss? Like, what would you say? Like kind of, I know that the Caps had an incredible road trip. Like you got Mm -hmm. to see it in person. How they It's it seemed like they've been playing out of their minds. So is that, is that kind of fitting what you're seeing?
0: Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, welcome, hello to yeah. all the fans that are now <laughs> watching the Caps. So, they're 11-2-3. Yeah, 11-2-3, their last nine games. They're 8-0-1-1, uh, which is pretty good. Uh, their road trip was t- their longest of the year. It was 10 days, five games. So, they went to Chicago, Calgary, Edmonton, Vancouver, and then Toronto. And for them, I think during that road trip is where they all really, you know, it, it's kind of cliche, but... They all really bonded like a lot of their games actually really clicked in a lot of these games. They, you know, went 4-0-1 and that overtime loss was probably a game that they would want back. Connor McDavid kind of played out of his mind in the third period there and um, forced it into OT. But I think the Caps are playing really good hockey. They have a new system. They're more aggressive. Everybody's kind of talking about it. They're more aggressive. They're physical. They're hard hitting. And the question is, can they do that for all 82 games? And, you know, through 16 games, it looks like they probably can. Um, They have kind of the forward depth to do that. The blue line is still, you know, kind of clicking, meshing itself out. But I really do feel like that road trip was one of the best things for the Capitals. A lot of the guys and the coaches point to Washington's 6-5 shootout win in Vancouver on October 25th as probably one of the best, like, team-building experiences. Just because, you know, they were down, the Caps were down 5-1 in the second period, And I think a lot of people in Vancouver were kind of looking at the score being like, can I get out of here early? It's a Friday night. Like, the Canucks will probably win this. And all of a sudden, you know, Kuznetsov scores late in the second period, and it just triggers this whole run by the Caps. They come back, erase a four-goal deficit, tie it up 5-5, and into overtime we go. And couldn't get it in overtime. And then Nick Backstrom wins it in the shootout. And for them, they just felt like, that's when they knew that they could come back. You know, it was one of those games where we have the talent, we have the skill, we just had to find it. But once we found it and regrouped, you know, after that first and second period, we could actually, you know, make a run at this. And I think from that point on, they've kind of always, like, referenced that moment of this was it. This is kind of our chance. And Samsonov was actually in net that night, which I think also kind of gave them a little hope there with their future
1: in (laughs) goal. Yeah, I mean I think it's I think it's kind of an interesting thing to kind of watch out for. But one of the things I mean you referenced it a little bit is I, you know reardon it seems like for this year this is kind of the almost, I would say, the first real offseason that he's had to implement his changes. I mean, last year, you know, with the them winning the Cup and, you know, him kind of taking over for trots and everything like that, I think a lot of people, me included, were kind of thinking, okay, there's a going to be a big priority on kind of keeping everything the same, right? I mean, they have the same roster, basically. They had a lot of the same, you know, systems and tactics and everything like that. And it seems like this offseason, Reardon talked pretty openly about, you know, wanting to change a couple of things, you know, maybe making some system changes you referenced that what are you seeing exactly them do differently
0: yeah specifically with them I mean the the buzzword I guess that everybody uses is that aggressiveness it is really like all five guys on the ice are participating in the offensive zone the defensemen are pinching in they're closer they want to get those offensive shots in and they just want to be that team that all five guys have to skate so what T.J. Yoshi kind of says all the time is if one guy is not there and he does not know his job or he missed a read, the whole system kind of goes up. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's kind of the main thing with the Caps is that is their new system and they need all five guys and they are being more aggressive. Obviously, you know, everybody kind of saw last year's first-round play of exit against Carolina. And if you looked at Carolina's system and how they worked, it is very similar to what the Caps are doing this year. Um, So they kind of took a page, I think, out of their playbook a little bit. Obviously, other teams you know, are like Carolina and do that as well. So I think the Caps just kind of understood where maybe holes in their game were so that they can, you know, this year kind of make a run past that first round again.
1: Yeah, and I mean, it's interesting, right? Because, you know, I think that it seems like I mean, I know Boston ended up beating Carolina, but it seemed like mm-hmm. Carolina's run last year kind of was the talk of hockey, right? I mean, they were playing, it seemed like, a very different style, you know. I, they've always been, you know, as an analytics nerd, they've always kind of been a very good puck possession team, but it seemed mm-hmm. like last year they really, you know, put it all together. I mean, they finally got a good goaltending, but... I think it seemed like the style of play that they had with the kind of speed through the neutral zone, you know, having a very aggressive defense and forecheck, you know, really seemed to kind of capture the imagination. You got to see that series up close a little bit last year. Does that, does what I'm saying make any sense? Is that kind of comporting with what you saw as well?
0: Yeah, no, for sure. I think one of the things that impressed me most about Carolina and, yeah, being in Raleigh so often yeah. was just the speed of how, like, the, how the Carolina played. I think it kind of caught me off guard of, like, oh, well, like, maybe that is... in you know, playoff hockey, too. But it was like the speed. It was the physicality. It was how, you know, Carolina could combat just the pure skill of the caps. And I think what the Capitals want to do is, okay, we have the skill, we have the talent. Now, if we add a system that allows us to play more aggressively to be, you know, explosive and have that speed, can we, you know, truly be number one? I think that's what they're kind of experimenting with right now.
1: Cool. Cool. All right. Well, uh, with that, we're going to take a quick break. Um, on the other side, I'm going to ask Samantha about some of the stuff she's been working on. Uh, and we're going to ask about a couple of specific players. So, uh, stay tuned. Welcome back to Japers Rank Radio. I'm your host uh, Greg Young, and happy to be rejoined by Samantha. So, Samantha, I know you just worked on a piece about Lars Eller, and uh, it seems like you know he's been you know on the third line, but it seems like the cap's depth in general has been pretty strong this year. But what did, you, you reported on Lars Eller, can you kind of describe the piece a little bit and what you found?
0: Yeah. So with Lars, um, you know, the headline was at age 30, Capital Center, Lars Eller sought to learn to skate again, and basically it was in the off season and there were a lot of, you know, videos and photos of Lars and other guys who were skating on the ice pretty early. And so I just asked him, you know, in the room, probably right at the beginning of the season, like what he was doing on the ice, like, you know, how do you practice that early? Like how different is that? And he was saying how he actually works with, he worked with the skating coach in the off season, but he's worked with about three to four different skating coaches over the last few years, which is not completely common uh yeah. for a lot of hockey players you know usually you stick with the coach you like it all works out and then you just keep on going but Lars seemed to have I guess the want to have different skating coaches and take bits and pieces from each and so this past summer he was working with a local skating coach and he wanted to kind of change up his skating technique and he wanted to just get, like I guess change his mechanics so he wanted to use his upper body more and have that more in sync with his lower body to kind of build up speed and get more explosiveness on the ice. Um, also because, you know, the CAPS new system is very focused on skating, being aggressive, you know, speed. So I think right now he's kind of seeing those results. And for him, he was just, you know, telling me, you know, you've skated a certain way for 25 years, right? Yeah. And he had like five or six sessions basically to try to change all of that and but like he likes the changes like he likes the bits and pieces that he took he's just trying to implement it on the ice and so he was saying that you know sometimes when he's on the ice he's like still catching himself think about what to do he's like okay wait I have to have my upper body be more in sync with my lower body like my strides need to do this this and this so that was kind of the piece that I wrote today was just how he's adjusting to that and you know how some skaters are doing it like that and um, for him I mean he's scoring goals he scored last night against Cal. Against yeah Calgary <laughs> to go up four two and ultimately win the game, so for him, Riddon obviously talked about before that he thought that Lars Eller would have a good season this year, and he specifically said it you know he thought it was because Eller skated more on the ice this summer, and he was just putting a lot more work in, and so I think all that combined was what I wrote today.
1: <laughs> yeah, that, that's awesome. That's awesome. And I mean, it seems like Lars Eller is kind of a key piece, right? You know I mean? Because we talk about the Caps and their center depth and uh, you know, I mean, when, you know, they're fully healthy and they're not really right now with uh, Dow being out and everything, but when they're when they're really healthy, you know, they can kind of go four deep. And uh, you know, if Lars Eller, it seems like he maybe at times was a little bit slower last year. So if he's able to kind of pick it back up, it seems like that kind of complements a lot of the, you know, Caps depth and uh, really you know, solidifies their whole lineup, now.
0: Yeah, and I mean, Raiden basically said, you know, he thought that Eller is, like, the perfect third-line center. And so I actually asked Eller, I was like, okay, your definition, what is the perfect third-line center yeah. mean? And Lars was saying something like, you know, it's like that utility guy. It's the one who can move up and down the lineup. It's the guy who can play on the PK. He can basically be put in any situation, whether they're up, whether they're down, they're chasing. And so he feels like he is that third-line guy. So I think, yeah, he... Definitely fits what the Caps are looking for there.
1: Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. It's kind of the the Swiss, Swiss Army knife of the capital Correct. centers a little
0: yes, bit. Yes, definitely. Uh, yeah,
1: <laughs> awesome. So I, I, the other, one of the other things I was kind of curious about is, I know you wrote about this recently too, and it's something that I kind of noticed a little bit watching last night and uh, on Friday in particular, um, was it seems like the Caps have depth now this year. I know that that was one of the kind of focuses in the off season. you know, was Yeah, particularly in terms of acquiring guys who are maybe a little more defensively responsible, you know, and, uh, you know, really kind of do a good job of kind of mitigating, you know, the opponent's possession and everything like that. And uh, it it seems like the Caps have a lot more kind of depth players that have been stepping up. I know uh, Brendan Leipzig is definitely one of the more notable players just in terms of the way he plays. You always notice whenever he's on the ice and not. But, you know, you wrote about this a little bit, too. So it seems like the Caps are a little more deep this year, huh?
0: Yeah, I definitely think so. I mean, off-season additions were, you know, Garnet Hathaway and Brendan Leipzig and Richard Ponick. And right now, you know, Ponick is on LTI, but he should be coming back. He's eligible to come back against Arizona on November 11th. So we can maybe see a change in the lineup there. But I would definitely say the Caps have more bottom six forward depth. And with a team that is going to play this aggressive style and is going to play this, you know, fast, physical, hard-hitting type of game, they're going to need that forward depth moving on. And so, yeah, I do feel like Garnet Hathaway has been one of those players, I think, that has exceeded expectations. You know, he's playing on that third line now. He's kind of slotted to be on that fourth line with Leipzig and Dowd. And he's playing really well with, you know, Hagler next to Lars as well. Yeah. So I think the Caps really had some, like, home run additions with Hathaway and Leipzig. And then you look at Gudis as well, like on the blue line. and. I really do think they had the pieces this season. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, so kind of flipping to the top half of the lineup, it seems, I mean, mm-hmm. I know Kuznetsov, it seems like with him, whenever Evgeny Kuznetsov is engaged, he's a dynamic elite player. See the playoff run of two years ago mm-hmm. uh, as a great example of Kuznetsov when he's on. It seemed like last year they kind of, he was a little up and down, you know, and it's see this year, obviously he had the, uh, you know, cocaine suspension to, or well, I guess technically the suspension because he lied to the NHL, if I'm not mistaken, is how that worked. But like, it seemed like there were a lot of questions going into the the season about Kuznetsov. And uh, it seemed like he's been a little more engaged this year. So uh, I don't know, have you kind of noticed the same thing? And what are your kind of thoughts on the way Kuznetsov has been playing particularly recently?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think definitely recently, and kind of talked about him seeing how Kuznetsov is improving his two-way game. Yeah. And we talk about improving isn't, you know, small steps improving. And I think with Kuznetsov, you know, he had what, two assists last night, basically almost three, and they were all primary assists. And for him, I think he's really starting to like get in the groove of things. I think him on a line with Tom Wilson and Verona has really opened him up. And with him and Verona, they're both obviously very speedy guys. And Tom can kind of create that space on the ice for Verona. That's what Verona kind of stresses every single time he talks whenever he talks about a goal or scoring, he's always like, I just try to go to the open ice. Yeah. I try to create and go to the open ice. And, well, if you look to his right, Tom Wilson is creating open ice. And Kuznetsov is finding the right lanes, obviously, you know, with his skill and um, his ability to skate. So I think Kuznetsov is really thriving on that line. I'm not sure. We clearly have not reached, like, peak Kuznetsov in the no. <laughs> season. He's only sixty games in. Uh, but I think with him, it's just maintaining that consistency and making sure that he is always showing up you know on the stat sheet or he was always showing up in some other way um but i would just say that for right now it's kind of a let's wait and see and see where kuznetsov you know kind of goes in these next 10 15 games
1: yeah i think it'll be it'll definitely be interesting to see um so kind of flip flip into the blue line a little bit i I mean, I've, I'm, I have a piece coming out, I think, somewhat soon about this. Um, the Caps defense this year has really been, it doesn't seem like they have a ton of obvious holes in the blue line this year. And uh, I, obviously you have John Carlson. We have to talk mm-hmm. about how great he's been. But, I mean, aside from that, you mentioned Gudis. You know, he seemed like he's been playing well. Jensen has his ups and downs. Orlov has their ups and downs. But it seems like they're mostly, you know, on the positive rather than the negative side of things. And so it seems like, it, and particularly with Kepney coming back too, kind of complementing all this as well, it seems like the Caps are really rolling pretty steady, six solid defensemen each night, you know. So, you know, are you kind of, what are your thoughts kind of on the Caps defense? You know, is there maybe room to grow? You know, what are you kind of noticing about the blue line?
0: Yeah, I do. I think there's definitely some room to grow there. You know, Reid kind of talked about, Having you know with with Company back in the lineup with Carlson, that he's still kind of moving Company around a bit. Yeah. So maybe you see like Siegenthaler paired with Carlson for a few shifts, or um, you know, then Company goes down with Gudis or Siegenthaler, or um, sorry, <laughs> with Jensen. And so I feel like the blue line is still kind of shuffling out. They have the six guys that Rudin wanted um, at the start of the year, but I think for them it's just trying to figure out okay, who is really the right pairing? Who do we want in certain situations? who's performing, who isn't, you know, Orlov had a turnover last night that led to the Calgary's, you know, first goal. And I think there's just little things like that. There's been a lot of turnovers there and I think they're still just trying to work it out. So I do think it's a work in progress. I don't think we've seen like the best of the best of the capsule in line, but definitely John Carlson has led the way there for sure.
1: Awesome. Yeah. No, that, that's uh, I, I mean, particularly focusing on Carlson. I mean, he's, it seems like he's kind of the front runner for the Norris this year. I mean, he's been putting up, an incredible amount of points, you know, It, I mean, has, has it been striking? I mean, you were with them on the road trip where it seemed like he was scoring like like two to three points almost every <laughs> game. So, I mean, what have you been noticing about Carlson lately?
0: Yeah, I think Carlson, I mean, yeah, we can talk about the road trip a little bit, but it, I think it was just funny to me when we are in Canada how all the Canadian media all wanted to talk to John Carlson. Like, every single day, every single practice, every single morning skate, after the games, it was always about Carlson and Norris talk. And almost, um, I'm coming out actually with a piece soon about Carlson, but I mentioned it in there that, you know, Ovechkin is normally, you know, center stage in Canada, right? Yes. (laughs) And it seemed like Carlson was like center stage, like media members left Ovi scrum to go to Carlson when he was available, when maybe in the past they wouldn't have done that. Um, so I feel like just with Carlson and his game, he's, I think he said it, Ovi said it, like he's just like feeling it. Like, I think in this system, it allows him to be a little bit more open and it allows him to kind of shoot more. He's the defense, I guess, the defenseman's role this season in the system is to get pucks to the net um, for guys like TJ Oshie at the front. But if Carlson has the shot, like he's clearly not afraid to take it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, definitely on the power play too. So I really think with him, his game has kind of stepped up to another level. He obviously got the A at the beginning of the season. And I think that was a really big step in his growth. And he realizes that, you know, he is that leader on the blue line. Like, he needs to show up. He can't, you know, be in the background anymore. And I think it's just really showing super early this season.
1: Yeah. No, no, no. I think it's, uh, I mean, I I know that as a Caps fan, I was a little nervous. I think when he signed that 8 by 8 contract, you know, that's a lot of money. And, you know, I think that particularly when he'd been playing with Allsner, it seemed like it was a little up and down with Carlton. But, man, oh, man, that seems like a pretty good contract for the Caps now, huh?
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, definitely looking back, I think anybody would say, yeah, sign on the dotted line. Let's go right now. Yeah. Um, so it, I think it definitely worked out. I think, you know, Rudin has mentioned that, you know, for some players signing a huge contract like that, you may be worried that they're going to have a little bit of a down year after. And Carlson, you know, again, was great. He was in, what, the top three or top five in Norris voting last year. Yep. And so, I think he was third, if
1: I'm not mistaken, which is yeah, very high. Was, yeah.
0: yeah, and so it just showed, like, he has that growth. He's continuing to grow. Now this year, you know, you look and you have – ovechkin saying johnny for norris hashtag and yep. all of that so Inter-
1: interrupting yeah. someone i think to say that right it was john norris correct. or john norris or something
0: correct somebody was like hey like can we talk about john carlson and ovechkin was like sorry john norris <laughs> and, he's nothing um, if not <laughs> subtle
1: right Ovechkin?
0: <laughs> no <laughs> definitely not subtle so yeah i think i definitely think carlson um all those points as nicholas as nick Baxham would say are you know he's not chasing points yeah. He's not actively, you know, trying to do crazy things to get points. It's just he's playing his game and he's playing it
1: well. Yeah, no, that, that's – that. I agree. Um, finally, I'm going to ask about the goaltending. And <laughs> it seemed like everyone was, at the start of the year, willing to write off Braden Holpe and say, there's no way they're going to re-sign him. He's a bum, you know. And it seems like he's kind of recovered. He had – I think a little bit of an up and down road trip, although probably mostly up. Um, you know, it seems like he's been playing pretty well recently and uh but at the same time you have, you know, Samsonov who, you know, is seems like he's earmarked for the goalie of the future. So I guess kind of for the rest of this year, how do you see this shaking out? You know, I know that Reardon has said that he what he felt like, you know, he put Samsonov in a bad place in Vancouver because he hadn't played him in a while. You know, mm-hmm. so what are you kind of seeing in terms of how that dynamic is going to shape out through the rest of the year?
0: Yeah, I definitely think it's a balance. I think with Reardon and the coaching staff, it's just going to be, you know, it's still like a watch and see situation, like with putting Samsonov in the net last night, and just wanted him to have a different opportunity. You know, that was at home. They are winning. They're kind of carrying this energy. Can Samsonov kind of keep up situation? Yeah. And I think, you know, clearly he let in two goals, one off a deflection. That was probably kind of hard for him. But after that, he was solid. You know, he made really big stops late in the third period when special teams was a really big thing. So I do feel like it's going to be kind of a balancing act. But you want to give Holtby, you know, the proper amount of games so that, he is rested and ready to go, assuming that there is a playoff run. But you also want to make sure that you give Samsonov enough games that he feels comfortable if he is going to be, you know, in the Capitals' future plans.
1: Yeah. So
0: I really don't have a great answer of, you know, how many games exactly is Samsonov going to play. Is he going to play 25, 30, 21? I personally don't know. But I do think it's just going to be one of those wait-and-see things. Like, does Holpe need a reset button? Does he need a rest? Can Samsonov play, you know, two games in a row? Does he not? Um, so I do feel like it's going to be a wait-and-see. But so far, I think the load management, as they say, has been pretty okay.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. And I think it's I think it's good because I think you look at last year and, you know, I, it's hard to say it was Holpe gassed or not. But, you know, he – the Caps didn't really have a, you know, backup that was going to – I mean – you know, uh, human typo Phoenix Copley, you know, wasn't exactly going to, you know, uh, take over a ton of the, I say human typo because trying to spell his first name, the E and the O, mix it up every time. But, <laughs> it's, you know, it seems like, um, you know, it seems like now, you know, the Caps have a backup they could trust. So it seems like kind of the load management, you know, maybe is something that, you know, it's a bit of an awkward dynamic, but I feel like you'd rather take it, you know, and have a backup. You could feel like you could play a little more than uh, they could with Copley.
0: Yeah, I think Reardon kind of says that a lot. Like he, I think he referenced last night against Calgary, he said Samsonov, you know, doesn't often look like a rookie goaltender. And, you know, he loves his presence in the net, he loves how he performs and how he is kind of learning through all this. So I think for Reardon, he kind of has that comfort in knowing that Samsonov is a solid number two. So if Holtby does need a rest or he does need a break, that he knows that that number two can come up and still perform you know, as well as hope we can.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay, final question. Um, I know that uh, you, you've uh, covered, uh, obviously, different kind of hockey markets, but I know Toronto is kind of its own unique <laughs> animal, and it seems like, in general, like, the Caps were making a ton of news out of, you know, that press scrum with all the Canadian media. So, I mean, how much of a different animal is it covering, you know, the game and seemingly the, ho- the epicenter of hockey? You know, is it really, like, that much? And how many, how is that kind of dan- a little different covering the game up in Toronto
0: yeah I mean that was actually my first time ever in Toronto wow uh, yeah so it was kind of crazy the Caps actually did not go home between their Vancouver game and Toronto game so they I had three nights in Toronto
1: so oh, it was nice. definitely
0: yeah so it was definitely kind of cool to see the city and just the different hockey vibes that they have there but there was definitely a lot of media um, yes. in the rooms in Toronto like press box completely full fans on a Tuesday night it was packed like the speakers were loud. Justin Bieber was supposed to be there. I don't think he ever actually showed up, but um, it was it was a different animal was a different atmosphere. You know, you had different broadcasters asking players about Justin Bieber and morning skate scrums. Um, so it was kind of crazy, but definitely I think they talk a lot to opposing teams. So it was kind of cool seeing how packed like the visiting locker room was. Uh, for Morning Skate in Toronto and how much they were talking, you know, Ovechkin and Holby and Carlson and Oshie and Kuznetsov just because, you know, they don't see them. They only see them, what, now twice? Yeah. So um, it was kind of cool to see that and just how they were interacting and how many stories actually came out that day about Carlson and, you know, about Ovechkin. So, it was definitely a cool experience
1: that's cool that's cool that's cool all right um samantha thank you so much for coming on this was great um plug some stuff uh how where can people find you and uh you you mentioned something on carlson coming up do you have anything else down the pike that you're excited about
0: yeah uh for sure so people can find me on twitter mostly um samantha (laughs) jpell um i try to you know obviously tweet all my stuff i'll be obviously live tweeting games and all that but yeah, um, I guess some stuff down the line would be at yeah, Carlson uh, should be coming out soon, kind of a feature on him and his maturity and his leadership growth. And just, you know, how that's all kind of accumulated to now having his, you know, Norris moment, basically. Um, and then probably a couple others coming up something about Tom Wilson which I'm sure a lot of people will be interested to read about. Just
1: I'm sure is. people have takes on
0: that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people have some takes, so I'll try to, you know, keep my takes neutral. Um, but, yeah, those are kind of the two main ones coming down the line. Obviously, you're going to have some fun ones thrown in there. But, yeah, hope you guys will, you know, keep reading, listening, wherever I am. But, yeah, I'm excited for it.
1: <laughs> awesome, awesome. All right, well... Uh... On behalf of me and Adam Stringham, uh, I want to thank Samantha for coming on. Uh, if you like the show, you should uh, rate, write, subscribe, review. I don't really know whatever else you or people are supposed to do with podcasts. It's unclear. But uh, again, Samantha, thank you so much for coming on. It was a pleasure.
0: Yeah, thank you so much. I had fun.
1: All right.